Hello and welcome back to the Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about theater camp. Join me today. She never got busted for PEDs at her theater camp. It's Maya. Maya, how are you? Living with the trauma of my theater camp experience, and excited to talk about it. I mean, I'm—I'll be curious to hear about that. Uh, given 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 the way uh, you seem to take in this movie, I wonder how traumatic it actually was. But uh, we'll, we'll, it, was, we'll, it was amazing. I'm we'll, just we'll, saying. It. I, know, we'll, I know. I know. We'll talk about that. But Theater Camp is the new movie from uh, first-time directors Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman. It was co-written by them and uh, Noah Galvin and Ben Platt. Who you know, Ben Platt being the most known of all these people, but he both he and Noah Galvin, uh, you know, made a bit of a name for the themselves on Broadway, both playing Evan Hansen. Now they are real life partners. Uh, but uh, it, it kind of theater camp follows a you know fictitious theater camp in that is uh, located in the Adirondacks. The camp itself is Adirondacks with a capital A-C-T-S at the end. Uh, both Molly Gordon and Ben Platt play two of the primary counselors at the camp and also the teachers. Uh, Molly plays Rebecca Diane. Ben plays Amos Klobuchar. Uh, Noah Galvin's also in the cast playing uh, kind of the tech guy behind the scenes at the camp. Uh, Jimmy Tatro, who people might know from American Vandal, he plays Troy Rubinsky, who is the son of Amy Sedaris's Joan, who was the owner of the camp for quite some time and uh, has a uh, goes into a coma after the what the strobe light sequence in uh, Catherine Bye Bye Birdie and Bye Bye Birdie. So, you know, as one as one does sometimes, you know, when you just can't handle the strobe light sequence in uh, Bye Bye Birdie. So uh, her, her son has to take it over, but the camp is in dire financial straits and they must try and save it. Also in the cast are Io Edbiri, who people know from, know from the bear as a counselor who might have lied on her resume. Alan Kim, who people might have first seen in 2020's Minari, playing one of the campers uh, who, you know, uh, just actually is an aspiring agent. But there's some other uh, first-time actors or uh, newcomers, I should say. I don't actually know their full resumes, uh, including one named uh, Bailey uh, Bailey Bonick, uh, Luke Islam, Alexander Bello, Kendra Sanchez playing Darla, who's uh, one of the more, um, you know, possibly uh, campers that's ready to, you know, maybe take a step in the professional direction. But uh, it's it's a whole cast of really great kid characters and. We're just kind of uh, along for the ride as uh, Rebecca, Diane and Amos uh, take breaks from their uh, regular lives to go kind of live out their uh, live out their uh, childhood again, as they do every year to help run this camp. Uh, uh, Rebecca, Diane's like the musical director. Uh, Amos is kind of the drama director. And they always write the uh, original musical that the campers put on every year and they they, they uh, deal with their own trials and tribulations and the threatening of the camp closing but also just trying to uh deal with their own drama all at the same time uh maya uh can you first start out by telling us a little bit uh, about your theater camp bona fides and uh what your what your history was as a young youngster who was you know uh wanted to be on the stage you got it so the one thing that Molly Gordon, Nick Lieberman, Noah Galvin, and uh, Ben Platt all have in common is that they're really good friends with someone named Beanie Feldstein, who mm-hmm. went to the same camp that I went to in upstate New York called Stage Door Manor, of which this movie is based on. The irony mm-hmm. being that Beanie does not, in fact, star in this movie, probably because they would probably sue her. So all of the other kids who are, I'm going to say kids, they're all in their 30s now, um, who created this movie together, um, they, they were not actually in a camp like this. Um, so the one thing that I sort of want to sort of address is, uh, Molly and Nick are actually also together on top of everything. So two couples basically made this movie together, which I, I think not, is, I, I actually didn't know that they are a couple, um, allegedly, but like they're in all photos together and they're taking photos and they're super cutesy. And this is like years before the movie actually came out. So, and I also, the, know, uh, I also know that insinuation. I mean, I, 
Yeah, and I think Nicky Lieberman might have like been like kind of grown up with him too. But I know uh, Molly Gordon yeah. and Ben Platt like like kind of grew up together. They're they're kind of like they, I mean they're they're the good version of Nepo Babies is what I would say because uh, their parents are all kind of like in the business and stuff like that. They grew up together. I think some of the footage the beginning of the movie might have actually been them. I found that after that the is fact. actual footage of them and Fiddler yes. on the roof, and yeah, that is legitimate fo- footage of them as kids. Um, they all grew up in uh, in Los Angeles together, attending some pretty prestigious schools that are pretty known in, I'm going to say, the Broadway community that if you go to school there, A, your parents definitely work in the industry, and B, you're probably going to work in the industry someday as well. Um, but I agree with the term good version of Nepo Babies because having seen Bl- Ben Platt sing twice live, the man has the voice of an angel um, and can do no wrong in my eyes. And, and and I'll tell you, the one thing that I wanted to sort of, you know, draw a comparison of with this movie is that the camp that I went to, Stage Door Manor, um, is almost, I want to say almost exactly based off of what they're trying to portray here. Um, there's some minor tweaks. Um, number one, the fact that it was not in the Adirondacks, it was in um, Lock Sheldrick, New York. So minor difference, very minor difference. And the other one being that... Um, the the camp is actually pretty expansive, so much so that if you were a camper, you actually could not be a counselor, which is kind of the driving force of everybody there. I would know because I definitely tried to be a counselor at some point in the um in my lifetime, and I was rejected because I was a camper there. And just so um, people uh, understand the culture behind this a little bit more, why is that? Okay, great question. Um, so when you're there, basically your whole goal is to be a future more than likely Broadway star involved in the industry some way, shape, or form. A lot of people do go there for fun, you know, reasons for fun, but the the prestige there is very evident. And I think the reason why people who are campers don't come back as counselors is because they could get too close to it. In some ways, you know, the camp is a very, um, it, it's an interesting way to describe it. I think about it very fondly, but I think a lot of the people who are actually there who had years of training, who, you know, really studied hard for this, this is their dream, their passion to come back as a counselor might show that they did not end up matriculating into the industry in a way that, you know, is intended for those uh, people. Which is so, interesting given that they're, uh, where Rebecca, Diane, and Amos's uh, storyline heads in this movie kind of has to do with, you know, uh, maybe what, 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 where their, where their dreams might have fallen short and where they hope to be at some point, which you know is interesting. Even though here they let them come back in the world of this movie. Yeah, I don't think that the, um, like I said, a lot of a lot of the kids that I went to camp with there um, went to um, like uh, Fiorello. God, God, I don't know the name of the school in New York, like the one that um, like sure. Timothy, Chal- Timothy Chalamet went to, Giardello. Yeah, it's, like, it's like Fiorello or something, right? Or yeah, something like that. Yeah. They all went to school, you know, there ended up going to, you know, um, University of Michigan, NYU, um, Juilliard afterwards. So it would kind of look very strange to maybe the parents who were paying the checks that the kids who are campers are now counselors there versus off doing their thing. And this is a camp where, you know, um, for a couple of years, um, the campers would actually do like Macy's Thanksgiving Day uh, performance. I mean, it's it's not a joke of a camp. I just happened to be the only person who pretty much went there that did not end up in the industry afterwards. So I get to talk about it fondly without any, you know, I don't know. Uh, they, I don't know. They actually, I don't. I'd like to think that they didn't actually make Beanie Feldstein like sign an NDA. Probably more like she had something else going on in like a scheduling conflict. She no. is great friends with these people. 
No, but I, I, I she is great friends with these people. Yeah. But and I'll and I'll tell you that I'm gonna say like the insinuation there. There's definitely been some you know drama that I've heard of that there's former count, campers that have talked negatively about the camp, and they have had to cease doing that. So I do think that they take their image very seriously. Again, I happen to have had a wonderful experience there. I was you know I'm very I think very fondly about those days. Um, so for me, it was a great, like summer stocky experience, but I do understand that a lot of people who are going there are there to put it on their resume that they went to a prestigious camp, um, in order to pad their resume. They had training from some of the best of the best, um, in terms of, you know, educators in that industry. So, um, when it comes to their applications, when they're going in there, um, let's say, you know, going for college, um, uh, auditions it does stand out that they would go to a place like that. Um, and I, I want to mention one other thing really quickly before we continue on. The one thing to note about the movie is that there happens to have been um, a rivalry with another camp. Um, that's accurate. We actually do have a rivalry with Frenchwoods, um, which is the uh, Fru-Fru camp that's a little bit more of the upper of a west side. So, um, so is, that, is, is, that, is that also a drama camp or is that just a regular it summer is all, camp? It is also a drama camp. There, There is a couple of them. There's Interlochen as well, but the, the specific one is Frenchwood. So if somebody asks me, oh, what did you do You know, as a kid? And I said, I went to theater camp. They said Frenchwoods. I'd be like, yeah, no, we're not friends anymore. You can't talk <laughs> about Frenchwoods. So it, it is actually really weird that that was like one of the little pinpoints that they had there because it's actually very accurate. Does one of them does one of them have a better track record of like sending people to Broadway? It's actually pretty equal. Okay. Um, I, and if you actually take a look at like the notable alumni list, I would say that you know Stage Door has um, Zach Braff, Natalie Portman, Bryce Dallas Howard, um, Robert Downey Jr. went to camp there. I mean, we have a pretty impressive track record of oh, people who went we, to camp uh, there. That guy that was in Trial of the Chicago 7, he, 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 you said he went to the camp. Yeah, too, right? no, yeah. Noah Robbins and I were actually there at the same time. Yeah, um, yeah. I got to see him perform. He is as ridiculously talented as you think he is. Um, and a couple of other people who have popped up recently, you know, someone who had um, a guest starring role in Abbott Elementary. He played um, the the partner of the male teacher. I don't remember his name. Oh, that guy's um, hilarious. So. Yeah, Larry. Larry Owens. Yeah. Larry yeah. Owens. Hilarious. Um, well, the, the uh, character, the character, I'm pretty sure the character's name is Zach. Probably. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't I don't remember. I stopped watching Abbott Elementary because my husband is a elementary school teacher and it was a little too close to home for him. So we're not allowed to watch it. You should, you should watch it. You should watch it without him. It's good. Um, I really do want to watch it without him. Actually, it's um, a good show. Okay. So so I you obviously this is like this subject matter is like you're very close to it and you obviously know it really well. And I appreciate all the background information. One thing I sometimes say on these episodes is like, you know, just because some content is relatable doesn't necessarily mean it's good. But I know for a fact, I saw this movie with you. I know for a fact you really liked it. Pretty sure I missed 25% of it because if you're laughing. So I want to I, I ask, uh, at what moment did you realize like, hey, it's not just that like this feels like it's something that I know really well. I actually think it's good. Was there like a moment where you're like, oh, wow, these people like really know what they're doing. And this is like, I can tell this is good. The fact that they had a cut scene where they described that um, Amy Sedaris's character had a, a stroke because she um, she had a stroke during the the flashing light sequence of Bye Bye Birdie was such a niche. <laughs> it was such a niche plot point. I'm like, oh, this because movie was, is made for people like me. Is it because there's not actually like a strobe light in in Bye Bye Birdie? It's just that like that's what they would do at a theater camp rendition of it. It's just the audacity of it. 
Oh, it's okay. just, I mean, seriously, the audacity of the fact that they're trying to, you know, describe who's going to be the leading role because of the check that the parents are going to be paying and saying, oh, she's really not that good. How rich is our, how rich are her parents, though? Mm-hmm. Something like that is so not to mention there, the a, fact lot of, a lot what, of a lot of knowing jokes throughout. Yes. It's like if you know it, if you're in it, but I still think that it's funny for well, people who are outsiders looking yes. in. For, for me, the reason why it also felt very close to home is because some of the characters resemble people who I actually went to camp with. Like for instance, mm-hmm. um the um the character that's played by the um, the woman from what is her name? I'm just gonna look it up. Caroline Aaron's character. She plays Rita Cohen. Very similar to actually one of the the camp runners at the camp that I went to. The fact that they have the little cabins that are named after Schubert Alley. I don't know what I was Lerner and Lowe, which is a um, Broadway um, writing team in my camp, Schubert Alley, Broadway, Times Square, we're all bunks. So these are the sort of like niche jokes that might kind of fall to deaf ears for some people, but the comedy is still very forward there. So they do have, I'm going to say for, for theater lovers, even the, I don't know if you noticed um, sitting behind us, there was an older couple who very clearly grew up in New York or lived in New York and now are retirees in Florida. And they would be making certain back commentary uh, to the joke saying, hmm. you know, are, are you doing um, what well, was a straight play? Um, and he goes, a straight play means that it's, it's a prose and it's, it's a play. It's not a musical. And it, like, those are the sort of jokes that would kind of, you know, hit for those people. And I was super amused by that, that, you know, there are people who are actual theater lovers that are watching this movie and that they're, they're feeling, you know, accustomed to it. They didn't necessarily have to, go to the same you know summer shock that i went to they still feel very um i'm gonna say um they're in the joke they're in with the Mm -hmm. joke well so i think that that was what was most impressive to me too is that i could tell how like specific and pointed a lot of these jokes were and how like they were gonna like really like pierce right through to someone like you's heart who just knows it that well but at the same time i think it's so specific in in such a way that it like that they it's they're so specific but they executed at such a high level that like i was still laughing at a lot of that stuff even if i might have not have like fully understood the implications or the double meaning behind every single one of these jokes that like a theater lover or theater camper might get i was still laughing like it felt like almost as much as you were maybe maybe not as quickly as you were maybe not as hard as you were but i was still like and there are moments where i was laughing as hard as you were but like just the fact that like hey i know in in, in, a, in the moment i know that that joke is going to hit differently to someone that knows the stuff as well as you do but i can still laugh too and that's what told me like hey they really knew their shit which is impressive because like you said it's to your knowledge at least like two of the four writers of this thing didn't go to this kind of theater camp i don't know about yeah. uh, i don't know about nick lieberman or noah galvin but like i i i would presume like maybe maybe one of them did maybe one of them did it or if not then they did a really good job of just consulting with their friends who did when they wrote the script well, I'll say that it's also, these are all theater kids, right? You know, even whether or not they went to theater camp, they're all theater right, kids. Right. And the, so they still, they still get theater, theater humor is going to be translate whether or not you went to the camps. Exactly. And I, and I think that that's really what's, you know, for me kind of, um, so, so, you know, when, when it comes to writing a movie that's very specific, um, you know, in terms of it comes from the heart from, from them, clearly it's kind of reflective of their own experiences growing up as kids being theater kids. It is a sort of isolating environment at the same time. 
But the whole message of being involved in theater is acceptance. It's, you know, you know, getting involved and putting yourself out there, being vulnerable. Um, regardless of how specific the humor was for somebody who was in on the joke, I think that that's what they were trying to sort of reflect. The passion of the movie is the fact that Rebecca, Diane, and Amos have this, you know, long-standing relationship, not only with themselves, but with theater. And that, you know, what was it's it, what, very... What was the joke like? How how would you describe a relationship and they say something like, so codependent? It's like, no, we're just dependent on each other. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually is like, as a plot point, um, Molly Gordon and Ben Platt have talked about how Molly had a crush on Ben in the past. And when he came out of the closet, it was actually a very traumatizing experience for her. So the fact that they actually wrote that into the script is hilarious but also again like you can tell that they're they're writing reflections of themselves mm -hmm. they're not they're not just writing characters they're not just writing archetypes of people who are in the industry they're writing a reflection of their own experiences with the with, with like you know growing up as a theater kid it is a very interesting way to grow up i could tell you that not a lot of my friends, unless I was in school and like that, was, it was middle school and like it was a an, an elective that you had to take. Not a lot of my friends are, have been involved with it to the point where I only have three or four friends that I can really talk to specifically about theater um, and a very, very patient husband who is going to see everything with me, regardless of whether or not he wants to go or not. Mm -hmm. um, but sort of seeing that displayed, I haven't really seen something like that displayed on a movie that isn't a musical. So that's why something like this sort of spoke to me because it's not just the experience of going to theater camp, which of course, yes, is what the movie is about, but it's the experience of being an artsy kid. And, and I don't really know many movies besides, I mean, like I said, fame, but fame is about dancers, right? This is something that's like a specific humorous, like we're going to laugh through our pain and we're going to make a, a movie about it, niche comedy. But it also, like I said, it translated really well, I think, to to well, other yeah. people. Yeah. I'm assuming you saw that you've seen the 2003 movie Camp too, right? With Anna Kendricks. It's also based off of the same camp that I went to, and it's filmed there. Oh, and in, in addition, okay. yeah, it is legitimately filmed there. Um, so Camp, um, where Anna Kendrick is singing "Ladies Who Lunch," I performed on that stage. Oh, wow. I'm not joking. <laughs> I mean, it's been it's been a minute since I since I watched that, but I, and I hadn't even really thought about that in relation to this. So I'm glad that like they I'm glad I'm really glad that theater camp the movie exists because and that they weren't just like ah oh, camp's already been done and they were like let's put our own spin on it and um and, and this movie you know it does it does its own thing separate from that. But I I just thought about camp. I was like oh well you're saying there's not other movies about these kids, but like you know if if, if the only the third one that comes to mind came out 20 years ago, then like I think that speaks to your point. You know. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say that the movie camp I which I love, by the way. I'm a huge fan of that movie. Um, I, like I said, for obvious reasons. I literally went to camp there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't find it as reflective of my experience because that was like a very like, it was it was like the the other end of an extreme in some ways. But listen. Well, the, whole, the whole thing was culminating them literally performing for Stephen Sondheim. I don't know if you ever performed for Stephen Sondheim, but it felt like a, it felt like a little, um, it didn't feel like as tight of a story, I would say, or I don't want to say as tight of a story. This isn't the t most tightly plotted film theater campus, but that felt a little less uh, focused of a script is what I would say. Whereas this like kind of knew what it was doing a little more. I didn't perform for Steven Sondheim. <laughs> However, Jeff Marks, who's one of the writers of Avenue Q was actually there because they premiered Avenue Q for the first time outside of Broadway and off Broadway theaters. The first time it was ever performed, I think was at that camp because they were there for that. So it was a big deal. So 
like it's like I said, it was a sort of a very glamorous sort of experience that you know, so like even even when when Beanie was in camp there, like you know, her last name is Feldstein. Whisper, 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 but her brother is Jonah Hill. And and so, like, you get, you know, information that some of the kids are there, got a casting call for a, a show that was coming up. And, and like, you know, it's the weird, like, being a, a normal kid from South Florida who's like, I like math, but I also like to sing. And I'm just here because, you know, I can't do the singing part during school because I like math a lot. So you see where I'm saying like that I'm kind of coming in and this is like, wow, like I'm I'm in front of all of these stars and now I can watch movies and TV and say, I went to camp with that person. They don't know who I am, but I could say that I went to camp with them. Let me ask then. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you you might've come in with even a different perspective, not necessarily like assuming it was going to lead to Broadway, but you just wanted a different outlet for your creativity or something like that. But I'm sure some of the kids that go to a camp like that, like, you know, like you said, or might be looking at like, Hey, where is there a casting call? Uh, Is there somewhere for this audition for who that with this, that, or the other? Uh, Was there like a competitive aspect to the camp that you were just like kind of a little bit to the side of maybe and not quite as invested in such that like you could let something like a, like the cast listing for the, for the camp play or uh, not getting, not going with some other kids to some audition like that. You wouldn't let that ruin your day, but like it might have for some other people. Cause you leaned over in the movie and were like, this really happens when they, put oh, the, yeah. casting on them. The, the whole, when they, when they're announcing the shows and the casting mm-hmm. list goes up and everyone runs to go and look at the casting list, mm-hmm. that is a real freaking thing that happens. Well, I guess my question is then, is it is it like can can it is competitive? Can those feelings of angst like dominate a summer for uh, for for the for oh, the kids yeah. as opposed to it being an enjoyable experience? And did the movie lack anything by like not necessarily capturing that beyond the kids running to the casting? Or is it just hey, this movie is just trying to be more of a straight comedy and that's fine? I think that the budget of the movie sort of lent itself to not allow for the sort of competitiveness aspect of it to show because they mm-hmm. had to limit the amount of campers that are there. There was, I mean, if you notice, yeah, it's it, 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 yeah, it's, kids. Yeah, and it's also more expensive to film with kids for longer hours, I would think, with all the restrictions. Yeah, and I'll say actually one of the ways that camp is a little bit more reflective of that is Anna uh, Kendrick's character in camp doesn't get a role of something and she literally like she she pulls a um a 42nd street where she kind of you know ruins the chance of the girl who's actually the lead in the role and she takes over right mm. um if you were in the same bunk as somebody and let's say you know the girl who was your bunk mate was there for three years but you were only there for two years and she got a bigger role than you it would cause some animosity but more than likely if you stayed for a second session you would get a leading role or something like that Mm. so they were definitely you know some um situations where it was a little bit uncomfortable because you know somebody got cast and the other person didn't um but there were different opportunities and the the i'm gonna say the top tier campers who were in the acting and the singing front they got to do they, they made a joke about it in the movie saying like oh we'll just do a cabaret or something that actually is a thing that you do it's called our time cabaret um so basically all of the best singers in the camp they have an audition process it's a very competitive like two or three you know different um, rounds of auditions and if you get it you get to do a cabaret at the end of the summer session in addition to having to do a show in three weeks mm-hmm. so also while doing classes by the way so it's not it's not just only the show it's you have the show several hours a day you have different classes that you actually have to do during the day like I did like special effects makeup I did improv I did like all other things that I thought were interesting um, and then the singers got the cabaret and then the actors got an like a showcase mm. um, of their acting capabilities. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that was to me the better opportunity to see, okay, these people are going to be something someday, which is, by the way, I thought it was so amusing. You, I didn't realize that that was a kid from Minari, by the way, oh. that I didn't know you'd me. seen Minari. I love Minari. Okay, I had okay. no idea that was a kid from Minari, but, but him, you know, I knew you were familiar. Him. Did you see, did you see Nope? Yeah. For, for a second, I thought he was like the kid from Nope in the flashback. I just knew he looked familiar. And I was like, oh no, that's the Minari kid when I, after I read a review, I, yeah. Shocked. Shocked yeah. that that's a Minari kid. But like, basically, you know, saying like, okay, well, this person, like, he just got cast in the lead in this. Like, clearly they have star power and stuff like that. Um, that's how you feel watching the cabaret. That is actually how you feel. And I can tell you for a certainty that about seven or eight of the people who are in that cabaret are, you know, in recurring, you know, TV slots. They're they're on Broadway. They're performing. They're doing the thing. Um, and some of them are on the backstage. One of them is a dramaturg, uh, which means that they are basically just, you know, editing shows before they go on to Broadway. It's a glorified way to describe what a dramaturg is. Um, but it's like it's daunting. And it's daunting for somebody who I'm going to say like came in as a passion, not necessarily as somebody who thought that they were going to kind of be up there one day. Like maybe in the back of my mind, I was like what I thought would one day happen, but I knew it wasn't realistic. So when I was watching a movie like this, I was, I walked into that camp being Troy. I was Troy. Um, That was my character. That was who I was as a person. I was just like, I'm just here. And like, I'm in love with theater, but like, I'm not talented like you. Um, and like, I, I sort of like left, you know, that camp feeling like I was Rebecca Diane, honestly, like feeling like I had like some sort of je ne sais quoi, even though I didn't. Um, so like, I'm going to say like watching a movie like this, it like, it really did speak to me because I, a, I got all the niche theater jokes, which made me feel like really cool for five minutes. But more than that, like I said, it, even though, yes, there's other movies that have been made about theater, theater camps. Not in a way where you're sort of laughing at yourself because it is, it's a farce. It's crazy. Once I start like talking about it now and I'm realizing I'm monologuing like crazy, I'm looking at myself and I'm like, oh my God, did that actually happen? Was I actually in a place like this? This is not real life, but it was, and it was great. And for those who got to enjoy the experience, like you think about it for the rest of your life and you think about how positive it was for you. It created such a huge creative outlet for me. I mean, I I love, you know, going to Broadway shows. I still do, you know, community theater and stuff like that. And I would not have felt comfortable doing something like that if it wasn't for theater camp, actually. And, and, uh, rent. <sighs> Oh, okay. Actually, I thought you were about to keep going. Uh, so I, it's it's funny to hear you say that how surreal it was to like think that you actually went there. Uh, I should should note that like it's funny. Camp filmed at your the actual camp that we that we've been kind of like talking that this movie is you know uh, an analog for. But uh, th- this one filmed at uh, URJ Kutz Camp, so like a like one of the like a Jewish sleepaway camp in Warwick, New York. So kind of the similar vibe as far as you know the the kind of you know what what the scenery is going to look like and what the structures around are going to look like. So it's and I, I've been to, I've been to Jewish sleepaway camp before. So as soon as you kind of like see, you could tell they filmed on location or something like that or yeah. uh, a location as opposed to just like trying to fake something like this. So I really respected the look of the movie, and it, it is interesting to hear you say that because often sometimes you'll think that like and yeah yeah there might be a few more jokes here. Uh, and maybe the adults aren't going to be quite as like straight out of a movie as they were here but it's funny to hear you say that you know it felt like oh no i was actually somewhere like that like what i'm saying is basically like oftentimes you're you feel like a movie is just going to exaggerate things a ton to try and you know just to be a movie but it seems like that wasn't even necessarily the case here like you can pick this pick up things here or there it's like oh yeah 
that might be like a little bit of an embellishment for a movie, but like, it seems like this uh, hearing you talk about it, it's like, no, like, you know, they, they just kind of wrote what they knew and it just kind of like made for great fun content. And it's not even like they really had to do anything that like someone like you would like nitpick is like, that would never happen. The one thing you pinpoint, pinpointed is that no, this, the, at least at this camp, the counselors wouldn't have been former campers. And that's literally it. Like everything else you're just like, no, like no, that seems like straight out of my life. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what was even, you know, more, interesting to kind of think is like I started getting a flood back of all of my memories there Mm -hmm. and I and I really hope that that's the reaction that a lot of people had watching this movie like not even just the people who got to go to um you know experience and like that but like I I, as kids a lot of the time you know the extracurricular activities that were put in involve you know some form of artistic expression um and it's it's because it is a very it's a very shaping thing for a child. So I really hope that what this movie sort of brought is, you know, kind of a, a reigniting of a love for the arts for some of those people who maybe haven't done that in a while. Um, you know, what, who of us in elementary school did not have music class. Right. So I, I think that this is for me, something that sort of helped ground me to that part of myself that has never left. I mean, Josh, you know me pretty well at this point. Um, you know, I'm a, Broadway geek until I die. So that part of me has never left. But at the same time, you know, just because I like theater doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, I kind of have the, the, you know, performer in me sort of still there. Like I'm, you know, I'm getting into my thirties now. It's a, uh, it's something that I'm like, I'm tired and I can't balance my schedule like that all the time. But even like seeing this movie, I'm like, okay, I'm going to look to see like where there's an audition out there. Like maybe I could do something like that. So I don't know. It was, it was something about it that like, it really touched me. It touched me really nicely. And I, and I like seeing all of these friends, like these people who, you know, are very clearly close with each other, um, make a movie together about something that they feel really passionate about um, and do it well. I mean, do it really well. This, this could have flopped. This could have been, you know, written as a B grade movie and Ben Platt has enough on his plate. Right. But obviously they. Well, he also took, he, he he needed a win after the Dear Evan Hansen movie, which no one really thought was any good. Yeah, no. But he ended up going on tour and uh, starring in Parade, and he was brilliant in both of those. So I don't know. Um, I still think that he's having like a a good year so far. I mean his his performance it, 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 in it, it's a silver screen rebound, is what we'll call it. Um, yeah, definitely. I I would agree with that. Um, the, uh, but. Well, so I, yes. it's funny. I made the comment about like, oh yeah, so this actually didn't feel that unrealistic, whatever. I doubt there are many of these camps that would just be like, you know, handed off to like a YouTube finance bro son, uh, an owner. They'd probably in theory, you know, be a little bit- we'll wouldn't to, dare. Be, 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 be a little better taken care of than that. But, you know, that that's one thing that might have created for a movie. But I want to ask you more generally though, were there ever people like, not necessarily like that, but other people like on the outskirts of camp for one reason or another that weren't necessarily theater people, but like, you know, that you remember that actually they're like, kind of came to love what it was about in a way. Yeah. Um, I, that's actually really interesting. I was, I was thinking in my head, there was, you know, three kids that I remember specifically. One of them was like a, like a relative of George Bush, by the way, which I thought was really interesting. Um, just, you know, people who were there because I get, it was a prestigious camp to go to. Um, and they had like, sort of like that, I'm going to say like the theater ish side, but they were not, you know, what you would call the best mm-hmm. performer there. Neither was I. Full disclosure. I mean, like I'm you like I said, you're literally competing with people whose, you know, parents are like, you know, 70s teen heartthrobs. All right. So I there's no way that I would ever compare to those people. But there were definitely some people who were there because their parents wanted them to be there. Um, and they 
they love the sort of energy in the environment, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they were going to be running to Broadway anytime in the near future. Um, and there, and some of these people I've actually seen, they're like now big TikTok comedians. So just because they weren't great in terms of the performance art of it doesn't mean that they, that it's not part of their identity in some way, shape or form. So they're, they're, you know, acting as comedians. Maybe they're involved in, you know, the legal aspect, um, for, for theater, they're working for, I don't know, like I said, my, my roommate, she literally is a playwright now. Um, she was not somebody who, you know, she loved theater and it was something that was really, you know, passionate for her. Um, but she took the other route. She took the route of, okay, now I'm going to be a playwright. There's some people who work, you know, lighting, some people work stage design. Um, but you get to learn all of that there is the thing. Like it was kind of there for everybody. So just because you were not an actor or singer or a dancer, you could still be in the ensemble, but you would have a, maybe, um, a playwriting class. It was actually a competition where you can write, you know, plays and, and that would be, you know, competed against and, you know, the winner got something like, like actually like got their, their play noticed or something like that. Um, you can take a, a, a shop class and you can learn how to do stage design, stagecraft. Um, it's can, funny. There were kids in the movie that were like excited about that. Yeah. That, that's legitimately a thing because like yeah. you can't be um, a center for the arts if you don't play to every single aspect of the arts and you would not have a show without a lighting tech. You would not have a show without a stage manager. There's so much that's to live theater that people who are going up there and singing and dancing and acting their heart out, that doesn't involve those people. Um, like, you know, I'm going to say like costume design is a big one. What are they going to do? Walk out there naked? No. Which is why I completely agree with any actor who just loses their cool at somebody just texting in the middle of the audience because there's so much that goes into it that if I saw a screen that was lit up in the middle of like my deep heartfelt performance, it would totally take me out of it. So yeah. there's, and, and there's not a lot of appreciation also for live theater. I mean, like if you go to a Broadway show right now, and I'm going to, I'm going to say like, I'm guilty of this one. People are wearing jeans. People are, are, you know, texting, they're eating food, like loud food in the middle of the theater. They're talking, they're singing along. There is a etiquette to it. There's there's actually like an etiquette guide to it um, that sort of has been lost in in the millennia. So I haven't, been to, a, I haven't been to a Broadway play in over 15 years. I had forgotten that you might you would like be frowned upon if you wore jeans. Yeah, I, and like I said, I do it mostly because it's you know comfortable for me. But yeah, now now it's a little bit more. You know, all right, you're walking around New York City. What are you going to do? Be wearing, you know, a tux and a nice dress? No. But for for the most part, the people who live in New York, they dress up for the theater and they dress mm. up nicely for the theater. I mean, they're not wearing, you know, gloves up to their um, their elbows, but they're still dressing up nicely for the theater. Um, but a big one now is that there's a lot of jukebox musicals, specifically um, a Britney Spears musical that I may or may not be seeing next week. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that it's not it's not etiquette to sing along. So people doing something like that, it would it would just sort of like you know rub somebody the wrong way. Um, and like, like so I don't mean to sort of like take away from the movie. I, I sort of mean all of this to say that I'm really hoping with a movie like this that people start to sort of reignite their love for the theater. Broadway is back. They're bringing some incredible shows in the next couple of years. I mean, they just announced today Spamalot is coming back. Um, which if you don't know what Spamalot is. 
trust me, you want to look it up. Um, it is uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but they made a musical about it. And it's amazing. So so these are the sorts of things that, you know, there's something out there for everybody when it comes to theater. There's something out there for everybody. So speaking of like good quality shows, one thing I wanted to ask you about was one, what do you remember about the quality of the plays you produced at your camp? And two, what did you think about how the movie did in depicting like, you know, the, the whether it be the talent of the individual youngsters and what they are capable of when they came together. Did you think it was like a, did, I mean, cause it's funny like, you know, we already talked a little bit about how we enjoyed where, where the movie took Amos and Diane's relationship a little bit and, and alluded to it, how like, you know, they have this whole thing where they um, you know, they both like apparently failed their Juilliard edition um, and turns out like maybe that wasn't necessarily the case, but you know, when uh, it turns out that, and, and it, it turns out that hey, Rebecca, Rebecca Diane might have actually had some other kind of, you know, some other kind of hopes and dreams in it that more so than Amos realized and creates a little bit of a fissure. And at the same time, there's a there's a bit of reconciliation at the end. And, you know, a lot of it hinges on a song that Rebecca Diane wrote that though that's it's meant to be like come off as pathetic and then all of a sudden it's turned into something great and not that necessarily that's how something would be produced at a camp like this but like you're left wondering are they even going to be able to do anything and they come together and do something good in like an unexpected way which i thought was a really kind of a funny turn that the movie took but i'm wondering as you're watching this are you like oh yeah like i i just respect the movie for just like making a funny thing out of that or is it or is it like oh no like normally like whatever the camp comes together and does it's going to be passable so it made sense for the movie to like have them put together something that was like good now, dude, that shit was professional. Like okay. I, I, in your personal experience, it was. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was really good. I mean, there was one performance of Rent that I saw that was absolutely <laughs> incredible. It was almost as good as the Broadway performance of Rent that I saw. The set mm. design was incredible. The costume design was incredible. The singing was amazing, and the the whole, by the way, you know, passing around the throat coat like it's a drug real thing except they actually had it like in large large droves because you needed to go on vocal rest like the week before the performance um but keeping in mind also the are the tears are the the tear sticks really a thing or is that a no (laughs) no you would never be allowed you would never be allowed to have something well no they're not allowed to in the movie either that's a problem i didn't know if that was a thing that was like a scandalous type of thing that was ever real in yeah people tried to fake cry Oh, I'm going to say like fake crying is definitely a part of theater. But the thing is, fake crying involves real tears. So I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Or like but, yeah, aided crying. Exactly. Um, no, I, I I would actually remember that they would say, I'll put Vicks and put Vicks and like put it over on your like corners mm. of your eyes. And that would actually make you cry. Um, mm. But again, that would also just kind of prove like you're reaching a little bit. Um, not, like I said, not to sound elitist or anything like that, but you know, if you're going up there and you're burying your heart, bury your heart out. Like it's, even though it's high school, I, I mean, that was another thing I was, we know, we know, you're not, we know you're not an elitist. We already heard there's a separate camp for that. Yeah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will say, by the way, the one thing that I will point out is that the ages depicted by the kids here are a little bit younger than, um, not, not to mention that there, there's, there's younger kids at the camp that I went to also, but it goes up to 12th grade. So some of the older performances, I mean, these kids are, you know, 16, 17, 18. So they're already spending, spent like the last, you know, 10 years of their life plus with vocal training, acting training, dance training. So they're incredible. I mean, they're actually good. So watching something like that, keeping in mind that you can be going to an actual Broadway theater, seeing somebody who's at age, you know, performing their heart out, 
So some of these performances were a little touch under professionally done. I even went to, and, and I, it wasn't necessarily something like that, but I, I went to a world premiere of something that they had there. I don't remember the show, but I remember that it was a unique play that was just written by maybe an alumni. I don't know, but they did have a world premiere of that play there. So it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that they would have like a, um, an original um, that was performed there. So that part of, uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that they would write it about the people who were there, um, but, but that part of it was actually not a huge stretch because keep in mind, these are creative types. These are creative people. So it would not be a shock if someone's like, hey, I wrote a play. Can we do it? And they'd be like, yeah, we don't have to pay for the rights of this. Of course we're going to do it. That makes complete sense to us. Mm, gotcha. All right. Well, that's cool. I didn't realize it was, I mean, it made sense given what you told me, like a lot of these kids are aspiring to, but it's cool to know that like, you know, this wasn't like they made this like really good for the movie or something like that. Like those things would turn out really well. So it makes sense. They get their act together. Even if like, you know, I bet the, I bet the counselors that were responsible for it in your experiences were maybe a little more professional than uh, Rebecca, Diane and Amos are for uh, parts for parts of this movie. Um, Most of actually more than likely the counselors weren't even the teachers. The counselors oh, well, were just the counselors. They were just oh, right. there for kid control. Um true, true, true. so that was just an interesting thing to note also that um, you know, the whole the counselors are singing the kids tonight thing never happened. Um mm. the counselors went to their own dorms, they did their own thing. I don't know what it was, but they did not hang out with us. Yeah, okay, I gotcha. Um, I think to back up for a second too, like I we've talked a lot about like, you know, how this got the camp experience right, but I want to talk a little bit more a little bit more in and also just how knowing it was about theater humor. But what else about it do you think really actually made this a good movie on its own merit, separate from how much it reminded you of your personal experiences? Were there were there any other uh were there was there anything production-wise that you were really impressed by? We mentioned a little bit how they produced the camp or anything about the performances. We haven't talked a ton about the individual performances yet. What else I was I like, read what else mind. what what else did you really like about this movie itself noah galvin mm. <laughs> that, was, that, that was noah a fun galvin. that was a fun performance how that character kind of like you know uh, went on a bit of his own journey quietly in the background throughout a lot of the movie well here's the thing you would think that the man who's going to be marrying ben platt would not be the one who's singing over there but people forget he is equally talented they both met because they were both freaking evan hansen not by the way the only couple that both played evan hansen i was gonna say there's, 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 there's another two, one yeah, there's two sets of evan hansen sitting i think i heard that yeah yeah taylor, taylor trench and uh ben levi uh ross so i i listen i'm gonna say talent all around was was very um you know evident in this show but um i was i was a huge fan of noah galvin's uh performance I love the little harmonies that uh, Molly and Ben did when they were introducing the shows as well. That was clearly something that that was a labor of love and they practiced the crap out of that because that was perfect. There was not a single note that was missed in any of those performances. And I don't know if they scrubbed it or just like done off the cuff, but man, I, I just enjoyed that. And you would think, like I said, it's a show about theater. These are people who are, you know, are creative types. Um, but you also, you know, remember a couple of things. A, Ben Platt, Tony Award-winning actor. Noah Galvin, wasn't he in the Goldbergs for many years? Uh, was he? Uh, yeah. No, no I don't think. No, no, I'm not. I'm not seeing that on his. Uh, on his. Uh, looks like he put the Good Doctor for a bit. Apparently, I never. No, I I'm it. pretty sure he was on the Goldbergs. Yeah, on something. No, he's on something called the Real The Real O'Neill. I, I don't. That's I never. Was. Which I've. Ne I, I. I was. Uh, this many minutes years old when I uh this many this this many years old when I learned what that was but uh, well yeah. so I remember when he got cast as Evan Hansen I remember being like the kid from the real O'Neills 
Sure enough, I'm in New York. It's 2015 and he's Evan Hansen and they're doing the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And I got to see them sort of practicing for it. And I saw him sing and I'm like, whoa, he can like sing, sing. So that was sort of like his first kind of sojourn into Broadway. He was, he was um, a child actor on that show for a while. And, and when I think back about, you know, the, this movie and I think back about the performers, you sort of, you know, look at the, I'm going to say the credentials of who's actually acting in the main roles of this. And you're like, man, they're, they're deeply talented. I mean, for those who are listening to this podcast, if you haven't heard Alice by heart, Molly Gordon is a tour de force in it. She plays Alice. Um, it is basically a retelling of Alice in Wonderland. Her mom, yes, was the producer of the show. So you'll scream like Nepo baby, but man, she's, she's excellent. So I, I like seeing them sort of do that because especially in things, um, you know, that Molly's been in recently, like the bear, she's not getting that sort of creative outlet on the singing mm. side. So I do like seeing, um, I do like seeing them kind of, you know, showcase that obviously Ben Platt is always going to have relevance in Broadway. I, again, I saw him in parade. He was beyond words. I mean, if you don't know what parade is about, I do highly recommend that you look up. I look it up. I so, won't talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. Wait, wait, let's go. Let's go one by one for a second. Uh, I, I, I'd never seen Noah Galvin or Molly Gordon before Booksmart. I just wasn't as familiar. Really? With stuff. Yeah. They're both in Booksmart and Molly Gordon plays like, uh, the quote unquote slutty uh, classmate of Beanie Feldstein who like has a bit of a, you know, a, a rivalry with her and they have to re reconcile at the end. And then the, later that year, like a few months later, she was in good boys, uh, which was like a, a funny movie about the, you know, raunchy movie about like the, the 11 year old boys yeah. that get into trouble. And she's like one of the girls that like, you know, they, they're kind of tormenting her vice versa. I can't remember. So it felt like, like she was almost playing the same character from Booksmart. Then I don't know if I actually saw her again until Shiva baby. You, have you seen Shiva baby? Oh, yet? Love Shiva baby. Yeah. Love so, like, Shiva baby. so like, She's not, and, and yeah, that, that was the next thing I, I, I saw her in. I, I also saw her, also saw her in Rom in Rami. She played, which is, I mean, you know, it's a Rami Youssef show, but so it's like, and she plays like the Jewish girl that he has like a quick fling with or something like that. But, you know, in all of those movies and, and in Shiva Baby, she's never like gets to be like, she, she, they're all letting her do like kind of the same thing where she's like pretty serious and seems kind of angry and for whatnot for a lot of it. And but she's I, funny. I, I, I'd heard her in interviews and stuff and where yeah. she's like, when she was doing press for Shiva Baby, and she's like, "No, I'm actually a theater kid," and that that was before I ever knew that this was going to be was... a thing. So it's like you you know, this was cool to see her get to play like even if it was a very particular type of person that she had obviously conceptualized in her head for a while. Rebecca Diane was just a very different character that she had a great command over that was just like goofy and silly, and you know, uh, got to be this own kind of spirit that like was I don't I don't want to say it's closer to who Molly Gordon is, but it's someone from a world that like she knows really well. And she was able to just like convincingly create this particular caricature that was very different from the stuff that like I think she was is most known for at this point. So I thought that was like it was just really cool to see her fully inhabit that role for me. Well, well that was the point that I was trying to make, actually, is that and and, and it's and I guess that this is sort of like a really good like thesis statement of this is mm -hmm. that a lot of these portrayals that the average person is going to see are on the screen, not on the stage. So all three of these main actors have a really deep stage experience. They're all singers, mm -hmm. all of them. And they all grew up as theater kids. They just happen to be doing screen work now. But typically speaking, there's a really, really hard jump from stage to screen. It's not the same. You think that it's, it's very similar, but when you're on stage, 
people are constantly looking at you. There is no editing process. There is no cut to redo. It's you are on there and you are doing you. And there is just no messing up or else the people who know every single word to that movie musical, they're going to call you out on it. So something like watching, and like I said, I'm just kind of bringing it back to parade. Ben Platt during the intermission does not leave the stage. He stays on stage Hmm. during the entirety of the intermission because acting on stage is a very vulnerable process. I think with, with theater camp, what, and I think that probably this started, you know, getting generated um, in their minds during the pandemic. If I had to make a guess, I know that there was a short film that they did that came out about 2020. Mm -hmm. So more than likely this is, you know, them kind of projecting their their childhood because the pandemic had people sort of reflect a lot on their childhood and their lives growing up and i'm going to say a really big part of a theater kid's life is that time when you're doing you know your your summer stock and you're you're um doing acting class and you're doing voice lessons and and especially for somebody like ben platt and molly gordon more than likely what they've been doing this since they can walk Mm-hmm. It's it is sort of I'm not going to call it traumatic, but it's 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 very deep cut for them. So I felt that they were portraying the selves that they never really got to be in some ways, or the selves that only some people who grew up with them really know them as. Because you're even telling me I'd never seen Molly Gordon. I didn't even know that she could sing until this, and I had only seen her in these movies. Meanwhile, th- this is somebody who because of you know, knowing Broadway things, I've known about her for years. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, she's in Booksmart. This is crazy. <laughs> like, it's, so it's a, it's different. Like, it hits different. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. You get to, like, see him, you know, just flex these muscles that, you know, they might not be called to do when they're just doing yeah. it or whatever. Uh, unless, like, you know, like, Ben Platt being in a musical. But like, I thought this was even, I thought, you know, I might know Ben Platt more in the context of this stuff because like people that aren't big theater people that might only watch movies and TV like I do for the most part, like they might only know him from Pitch Perfect and from the Dear Evan Hansen movie or something like that. Right, and, exactly. And like, and not not that his character in Pitch Perfect is like, you know, anywhere near as problematic of a person as uh, the, 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 you know, the, his role in Dear Evan Hansen. But like, I think it's more that like, you know, but both of those types of people are like, I don't know, like, I think a little more ineffectual, whereas like Amos has a bit of an edge to him in like uh, in, in like the particular way he he's very confident in like who he is and what he wants to do and like is in like very very sure of who he is as a person. I feel like even if he's like you know a little conflicted about like what's going on with Re- Re- Rebecca Diane later in the movie, he has a very specific way of which he sees the world and how and what what he's doing and what he's capable of as a teacher. Whereas like the other th- characters I'd seen him play before were just like you know I think a little weaker in personality. So it was kind of cool to play him, see someone a little more sh- headstrong and strong and and strong willed. And I just thought it was cool that they that that them as the creators of this movie like. You you know, created very interesting different types of characters for them. And I mean, and specifically Noah Galvin too, like he was the first one you mentioned. I think it's cool that you singled him out because I think he just has made the most interesting arc of the movie where it's like, he's just so, he's he's very agreeable and like a nice presence throughout a lot of it. But it's just like working in there. It's like, he obviously like loves his camp. 
you know, if he's willing to like work his ass off, like he's, he's seen as being useful every single, like every other scene, it feels like just doing something or being a sounding board or fixing something or doing something. But it's like, you know, it's kind of cool. It's like, it doesn't feel unearned when that guy is revealed to like love theater and be totally comfortable up there and drag, like saving the show or something like that. It was, it was just very like heartwarming and like, wasn't like, Oh, I feel like the movie cheated by just like wanting to give you a happy ending. And it's like, no, that guy probably would be a closet theater guy that just like love, loves, loves it and can do that. You know? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that actually. And I, and I think that it's also a lot of people who are in tech mm-hmm. wanted to be a singer and wanted to be a dancer oh, and wanted okay. to be an actor. And they kind of got siloed at that point. Mm. And there, and there's some people who just had a talent from it from the beginning or they fell into it. Um, but I, I do, I, I also resonate with the fact that, you know, you're, you're, you're hitting a very, very strong point for me, which is that, this entire movie very much is, is clearly a labor of love for everybody, but it's something that they're projecting like a different version of themselves. And I think, I think it's because, especially now where Broadway is having a resurgence, um, but there's still a huge gap in the arts in terms of education. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a message in some way about the importance of, you know, what the arts does for a person that even if you're just, somebody who's running around a theater camp and, and you know, as a, the go-to tech person, you know, if you have to put yourself on the line for the sake of the show must go on, you're always going to do it. Especially recently, you know, with COVID, there were so many absences in shows and the, the understudies had such hard work that they had to kind of, you know, jump in a day in advance or less than a day mm. in advance in order to learn an entire new role in order to jump in. Sometimes the creator of the show would have to jump in, which was really common for um, the, the show that won the Tony last year, that the creator of the show would have to jump in because the two leads were out. Um, and mm. who else knows the show better than the creator, right? It's not necessarily, you know, his thing, but something like a strange loop, which is, um, you know, a very, it's it's almost like an autobiographical um, show. So it would make sense that the creator would kind of jump in and just do his thing. Um, but the the arts had such a challenging couple of years with COVID because for 18 yeah, months, theater. Broadway was shot down. Mm. Like, I mean, it was just, it was shut down and it came back and it came back with full force. So um, it's it's so, for me, very complex to see situations like schools not funding the arts because very clearly years later for people who are now, I'm, I'm going to call Ben Platt a big stage uh, screen actor. He's a big screen actor at this point. He's very well known. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's somebody who, if you say his name, you know who he is. Yeah. Um, somebody like him who's going back to his roots and who's performing literally as we speak in a Broadway show. Clearly it, it comes from the heart from them. It's more than just a job. It's something that's a passion. So I think that calling attention to that in something like this, that again, it's very accessible. It's an accessible movie because it's just a funny movie, but it has a very, very deep message, which is that, you know, even from a coma, the son, the son of a woman who is trying her best every <laughs> single year, summer after summer to keep a camp afloat, her son is doing anything possible to do the same thing. Obviously slips up for about five minutes when he sells the camp, um, but re- realizes his fault in that and says you know I kind of understand now why my mom was trying to do this to begin with you know because the arts are important and they always will be important and no matter what they will always find a way and there will always be people there to support it 
Well said. Yeah. And I do want to shout out Jimmy Tatro who uh, plays Troy. Like, uh, you know, it's, it, it's in his wheelhouse of what he does. Like he, he, he's kind of like plays a bro friend in Stuber. This that movie with Dave Batista and really broke onto the scene as in the first season of American Vandal doing something very similar, but he's just so good at it. And like, I, I don't, you're not supposed to hate that guy. I think, you know, I think he's supposed to like mean well and just be a little bit aloof and, uh, you know, in, in lesser hands, maybe that, that character turns into like a little more of a villain I, by lesser hands. I mean, the writers or the actor. And instead it's like, Oh no, you kind of know this guy means well, he's just a little in over his head. He doesn't quite know how to connect with these people. It's just, you know, he's, I don't know. He's not necessarily the audience avatar. Cause a lot of the audience are people like you who feel at home as soon as they step into this movie, but like he's, he, he's an avatar for the outsider part of the audience. It just okay. might, might not really get this, but like the same time you come into it with open eyes and open and, you know, and willing to like, you know, uh, just let, let yourself uh, be taken in by this community. And I thought like he did a really good job of that. And just like kind of being, being a bro, but being like a bro that you'd, you'd, you'd like to bro out with, you know, and would hope that, and, and would hope that he can come to understand like uh, your background as well. Um, Maya, anything else about the movie we didn't already touch on that you wanted to shout out? Any other fun, oh. fun, funny, funny, blink and you miss it jokes or any other performances, anything else? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, on a good divorce. Crucible Jr. There was a lot of good stuff like, oh, the, like a the, the, stuff. the Crucible Jr. one. Oh my god, there, there was there were so many different jokes there, Josh, and I can't remember the one that I laughed the hardest at because I was just laughing the entire movie. They were the, like I said, all of the, I want to get a script of everything that they they kind of wrote yeah. here because of just how touching it was for me. Um, I will say there's one kid in particular you said that you didn't recognize him. And I want to shout out his performance really quickly. Luke Islam, um, who played Christopher, um, he was also in The Mighty Ducks. Um, and he is a ridiculously talented singer. Um, I hope to see more of him because he's, you say Mighty he's Ducks. Got... Is this the version that came out on Disney Plus recently? Yes. Like, the reboot? He okay. Was in the Mighty I, Ducks? I, 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 never, I never watched that. So I wasn't sure what you were talking about. Gotcha. Oh, my God. You have to see it. Um, you know, you know who this... I also liked? The, the kid. Um, who I do want to shout one other thing I want to shout out is the kid that like the kid that had the gay parents who like they had the joke at the end about him like camp realizing that he was like heterosexual or something like that. And oh, it was, that was kind so of funny. funny. <laughs> it was funny, but like we always it, knew. It, it, it was interesting that like he was like you know it was I mean they didn't spend a ton of time on him, but they were efficient in it in that like he was like a character that like was clear, like new to new to the camp scene, but like had talent. And it was kind of interesting, yeah. like just to even have a character that had as little time as him still make left an impression on me. Cause it's like, how would someone that like, it almost, I mean, it's almost a little bit more like what you were talking about where like that kid wasn't really necessarily showing up there to go to Broadway. It was like a thing to do. And all of a mm -hmm. sudden, like he's in there and it's like, it's clear that he actually has some talent, but then he's like set and put next to this girl that might be taking it like incredibly seriously. And it was like a funny little uh, juxtaposition of the two of them. And I, 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 I got a kick out of that. And I, I enjoyed that actress presence and like being there and like not really knowing what was going on, but still like being like excited to like still kind of play along. I just, it was cool. Like, even if like, yeah, they couldn't, they can only maybe focus so much on the kids because of, you know, whatever, like, you know, filmmaking restraints that are there, just the story they wanted to tell and how they wanted to involve the adult performers. I just thought there was a lot of nice smaller moments that they did fit in there with the, with the younger actors and characters. I agree. I agree. And Josh, just for that, you know, beautifully stated comment. Um, I will get to uh, show you my camp production of Footloose of which I was um, the judge, and it was, it was interesting. Uh, we'll watch it together. It'll be fun. <laughs> do, you have, do, you have, do you have an MP3 of it? Uh, no, I have a CD. Oh, I was going to say, if you wanted to, I was going to say, if you wanted to, I could make it the intro jingle to the podcast. 
Um, oh God, no, no, thank you. I'm good. I'm I thought good. you said, I thought you said this stuff was professionally done, you know? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, no. I, yeah, it was, so there was, there was like, I, I and I'll, I'll just sort of tell a brief story. I remember if I was a judge, but I remember that there was like a judging area and I was like one of the people and like my partner, my husband was the gym teacher. I, I remember my character was a judge of some sort, um, except for the fact that because in summer stock, there's not a lot of boys. Um, my gym teacher husband was actually a woman. So um, if you wanted to say testing boundaries, when I was uh, 14 years old, I apparently was in a lesbian marriage. So they mm. they definitely pushed the boundaries in summer stock. Um, but I, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, just to kind of sum everything up in my end, watching something like this, it brought happy tears to my eyes because it made me remember that time when I was a kid where I thought that I could accomplish anything in life. And if a movie like that can do that for someone who actually went to camp and I was just, like I said, I was laughing my ass off. You saw it, but like I said, it, it really, it struck me as in a way that was not meant for a comedy. Like it, it was a very moving movie. And, and I hope that a lot of people feel the same way because there is a dichotomy between comedy and heart. And this movie had a lot of heart to it. Well said. Maya, I think that about wraps it up. I think we both strongly recommend Theater Camp. Honestly, and for I think it's going to really, I'm really looking forward to rewatching it. Uh, like you said, you want to read a script. I just want to watch it again because not just you, like the whole theater was laughing so much that like we definitely, we definitely missed some jokes, you know? Like, so it's definitely, like, I, I'm excited to like go back and just like kind of take it in again and see what else kind of hits me differently. If I pick up on new stuff now that you've given us a mini education and uh, what all this stuff is. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, getting to just, you know, uh, sit back and uh, see, see all the little small things that these filmmakers did that I might've missed. Cause I was just so busy laughing my ass off. Maya, before we before we sign off from the podcast, anything else you've been watching recently that you'd like to plug? Ooh, yes. Um, so Apple TV is on a roll. Um, we've got season two of The After Party, which if you have I never seen... watched season one. I've heard I've heard good things. Josh, yeah. no. Mm. You of all people don't watch a movie where every single episode has its own different stylistic technique with filmmaking. Are you joking? Did not know that. Oh yeah, I, 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 I knew I, I knew more about the cast. I had not heard much about the filmmaking of the show. I will tell you without spoiling anything. Every single episode is basically Tiffany Haddish is interrogating a suspect for a murder. They are all telling it like it's their own movie, and they all have their own different style. So in this, we have in this you know season we have um you know a hard boiled detective version. We have like a heist movie. We have a romance like a romantic comedy. It's and, and they actually they have an entire Wes Anderson episode, and it's very Wes Anderson-y. So I would say if you are a movie lover and you are a fan of Josh's podcast, this is actually going to be very up your alley. Mm, okay, well I've, I, I you know I I have a busy uh, couple weeks coming up, but I, I, I you know. If the, the thing is like if the writer strike and actor strike drags on like you know we're not gonna have new episodes of our shows coming back so we're gonna have time to go explore other things so that's gonna be uh, high on my list to to explore if i'm going back and like looking for something else to uh visit uh as far as anything i would recommend that i haven't already recommended on the podcast oh okay last last night i went to the movies and i saw talk to me which is a new horror film from a24 set in australia um you, you know about people you know uh, going through some weird type possessing type stuff when they touch an embalmed hand. Uh, I, I don't want to say more Ooh. than that, 
But, you know, if you're a horror person, I think you would really enjoy it. Some stuff in it that's like very disturbing, but uh, very, very well done. So and we'll, we'll probably have a pod. I think I think the next podcast might actually end up being on both a uh, double feature on that and the Meg, too, because, you know, we like to mix and match weird stuff like that here. And I think it, both of my guests are probably going to have seen both of them by the time I we'd record that next week. So, uh, talk to me, highly recommend it. If you're a horror person, my, uh, you're, you're, you're a blank site, no social media. As usual, people want to follow me, J O S H J U R N O V O Y on Twitter and letterbox podcast emails, the rewind movie pod at gmail.com podcast, Twitter's at rewind movie pod. Like I said, coming up next in the podcast, we're going to do probably the, probably the Meg two and, uh, and talk to me. And I don't know what else is after that in August. Um, Oh, and I, I forgot. Uh, I'm probably going to have Joe come back for the, uh, the new teenage teen, teenage mutant Ninja turtles movie, which got incredibly good reviews. So I'm, uh, I, I, I just, I was not, that was just one that I didn't watch as a kid. I never, I can't say I ever watched the teenage mutant Ninja turtles. And for whatever reason, it was just not one of the things that I, I ever happened to really get into when I was younger, nothing against it just was not something that I ever just happened to like get into but i i i will definitely see this it's you know from seth rogan actually co-wrote the script with a lot of his usual collaborators i i I'd originally just thought they produced it and it's directed by the guy that did the mitchells versus machines so a lot of good pedigree behind that movie and got really good reviews also uh ayo edabiri is doing a voice there because uh she just has like 24 hours in a day or you know i she has i, I don't know 48 hours in a day so she's in everything right now also going to be in you know bottoms coming out soon so uh great for her i think i think part of the reason she if i bet she's just so busy and that's why she was like cordoned off in her movie in, in theater camp so much she just has a lot going on maya thank you very much for joining us as always we really appreciate all the insight uh, i want to thank everyone for listening and we'll see you next time